Chapter Twelve of *The Imperialist* by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. It was the talk of the town, the pride of the marketplace. Lorne Murchison's having been selected to accompany what was known as the Crookshank Deputation to England the general spirit of congratulation was corrected by a tendency to assert it another proof of sagacity on the chairman's part elgin wouldn't be too flattered lawyer crookshank couldn't have done better you may be sure the express was well ahead with it honour to our young fellow-townsmen a well-merited compliment and rollins was round promptly next morning to glean further particulars he found only mrs murchison on a step-ladder tying up the clematis that climbed about the veranda and she told him a little about clematis and a good deal about the inconvenience of having to abandon superintending the spring cleaning in order to get lorne ready to go to the old country at such short notice but nothing he could put in the paper lorne sought at the office was hardly more communicative mr williams himself dropped in there he said the express would now have a personal interest in the object of the deputation and proposed to strike out a broad line a broader line than ever we've got into the way of taking it for granted said mr williams that the subsidy idea is a kind of medieval idea raise a big enough shout and you get things taken for granted in economics for a long while conditions keep changing right along all the time and presently you've got to reconsider there ain't any sort of ultimate truth in the finest economic position my son not any at all we'll subsidize over here right enough said lorne that's the idea that's the prevailing idea just now but lots of people think different more than you'd imagine i was talking to old man milburn just now he's dead against it government has no business he said to apply the taxes in the interest of any company it oughtn't to know how to spell subsidy if the trade was there it would get itself carried he said well that surprises me said lorne surprised me too but i was on the spot with him just thought of it in time well now mr milburn i said you've changed your mind thought that was a thing you conservatives never did i said we don't i haven't he said what do you mean twenty-five years ago i said when you were considering whether you'd start the milburn boiler works here or in hamilton hamilton offered you a free site and elgin offered you a free site and a dam for your water power you took the biggest subsidy and came here i said lorne laughed what did he say to that hadn't a word i guess it's up to me he said then he turned round and came back hold on williams he said you know so much already about my boiler works it wouldn't be much trouble for you to write out an account of them from the beginning would it working in the last quarter of a century of the town's progress you know and all that come round to the office to-morrow and i'll give you some pointers and he fixed up a two-column ad right away he was afraid i'd round on him i suppose if i caught him saying anything more about the immorality of subsidies he won't say anything more probably not milburn hasn't got much of a political conscience but he's got a sense of what's silly well 
now i expect you want all the time there is mr williams removed himself from the edge of the table which was strewn with maps and blue books printed official and typewritten demi-official papers give him a notion of those assiniboyan wheat acres my boy and the ranch country we've got tell him about the future of quick passage and cold storage get him a little ashamed to have made so many fortunes for yankee beef combines persuade him the cheapest market has a funny way of getting the dearest price in the end give it him lorne hot and cold and fricasseed the express will back you up he slapped his young friend's shoulder who seemed occupied with matters that prevented his at once feeling the value of this assurance bye-bye said mr williams see you again before you start oh of course lorne replied i'll i'll come round by the way mr williams mr milburn didn't say anything anything about me in connection with this business didn't mention i suppose what he thought about my going not a word my boy he was away up in abstract principles he generally is bye-bye it's gone to his head a little bit only natural horace reflected as he went down the stairs he's probably just feeding on what folks think of it as if it mattered a pin's head what octavius milburn thinks or don't think lorne however left alone with his customs returns and his immigration reports sat still attaching a weight quite out of comparison with a pin's head to mr milburn's opinion he turned it over and over instead of the tabulated figures that were his business he had to show himself his way to the conclusion that such a thing could not matter seriously in the end since milburn hadn't a dollar involved it would be different if he were a shareholder in the maple line he wished heartily nevertheless that he could demonstrate a special advantage to boiler-makers in competitive freights with new york what did they import confound them pig-iron plates and rivets fortunately he was in a position to get at the facts and he got at them with an interest of even greater intensity than he had shown to the whole question since ten that morning even now the unprejudiced observer turning up the literature connected with the cruikshank deputation may notice a stress laid upon the advantages to canadian importers of ore in certain stages of manufacture which may strike him as slightly very slightly special of course there are a good many of them in the country so that mr horace williams was justified to some extent in his kindly observation upon the excusable egotism of youth two or three letters however came in while lorne was considering the relation of plates and rivets to the objects of his deputation they were all congratulatory one was from the chairman of the liberal association at its headquarters in toronto lorne glanced at them and stowed them away in his pocket he would read them when he got home when it would be a pleasure to hand them over to his mother she was making a collection of them he had a happy perception that same evening that mr milburn's position was not after all finally and invincibly taken against the deputation and everything everybody concerned with it he met that gentleman at his own garden gate 
octavius paused in his exit to hold it open for young murchison thus even assisting the act of entry a thing which thrilled lorne sweetly enough when he had time to ponder its possible significance alas the significance that lovers find lorne read a world in the behavior of dora's father in holding the gate open he saw political principle put aside in his favor and social position forgotten in kindness to him he saw the gravest sincerest appreciation of his recent success which he took as humbly as a dog will take a bone he read a fatherly thought at which his pulses bounded in an arrogance of triumph and his heart rose to ask its trust and octavius milburn had held the gate open because it was more convenient to hold it open than to leave it open he had not a political view in the world that was calculated to affect his attitude toward a practical matter and his opinion of lorne was quite uncomplicated he thought him a very likely young fellow milburn himself in the elgin way preferred to see no great significance of this sort anywhere young people were young people it was natural enough that they should like each other's society they the milburns were very glad to see mr murchison very glad indeed it was frequent matter for veiled humorous reference at the table that he had been to call again at which dora would look very stiff and dignified and have to be coaxed back into the conversation as to anything serious there was no hurry plenty of time to think of that such matters dwelt under the horizon there was no need to scan them closely and mr milburn went his way conscious of nothing more than a comfortable gratification that dora so far as the young men were concerned seemed as popular as other girls dora was not in the drawing-room young ladies in elgin had always to be summoned from somewhere for all the filken instinct for the conservation of polite tradition dora was probably reading the toronto society weekly illustrated with correspondence all over the province on the back veranda and but for the eruption of a visitor would probably not have entered the formal apartment of the house at all that evening drawing-rooms in elgin had their prescribed uses to receive in to practice in and for the last sad entertainment of the dead when the furniture was disarranged to accommodate the trestles but the common business of life went on outside them even among prosperous people the survival perhaps of a habit based upon thrift the shutters were opened when lorne entered to let in the spring twilight and the servant pulled a chair into its proper relation with the room as she went out mrs milburn and miss filken both came in before dora did lorne found their conversation enchanting though it was mostly about the difficulty of keeping the lawn tidy they had had so much rain mrs milburn assured him kindly that there was not such another lawn as his father's in elgin how mr murchison managed to have it looking so nice always she could not think only yesterday she and mr milburn had stopped to admire it as they passed spring is always a beautiful time in elgin 
she remarked there are so many pretty houses here each standing in its own grounds nothing very grand as i tell my friend miss cham from buffalo where the residences are of course on quite a different scale but grandeur isn't everything is it no indeed said lorne but you will be leaving for great britain very soon now mr murchison said miss Philkin leaving elgin and all its beauties and i dare say you won't think of them once again till you get back i hope i shall not be so busy as that miss Philkin. oh no i'm sure mr murchison won't forget his native town altogether said mrs milburn though perhaps he won't like it so well after seeing dear old england i expect said lorne simply to like it better well of course we shall all be pleased if you say that mr murchison mrs milburn replied graciously we shall feel quite complimented but i'm afraid you will find a great deal to criticize when you come back that is if you go at all into society over there i always say there can be nothing like good english society i want to attend a sitting of the house lorne said i hope i shall have time for that I want to see those fellows handling their public business. I don't believe I shall find our men so far behind for point of view and grasp and dispatch. Of course, there's always Wallingham to make a standard for us all. But they haven't got so many Wallinghams. Wasn't it Wallingham, Louisa, that Mr. Milburn was saying at breakfast was such a dangerous man? so able he said but dangerous something to do with the tariff oh said lorne and he said no more for at that moment dora came in she came in looking very straight and graceful and composed her personal note was carried out in her pretty clothes which hung and sat upon her like the rhythm of verses they could fall no other way she had in every movement the definite accent of young ladyhood she was very much aware of herself of the situation and of her value in it a setting for herself she saw it and saw it truly no one from the moment she entered the room looked at anything else oh mr murchison she said how do you do mother do you mind if i open the window it's quite warm out of doors regular summer lorne sprang to open the window while miss Philkin, murmuring that it had been a beautiful day moved a little farther from it oh please don't trouble mr murchison thank you very much miss milburn continued and subsided on a sofa have you been playing tennis this week mr murchison said that he had been able to get down to the club only once the courts aren't a bit in good order they want about a week's rolling the balls get up anywhere said dora lawn tennis mrs milburn asserted herself is a delightful exercise i hope it will never go out of fashion but that is what we used to say of croquet and it has gone out and come in again lorne listened to this with deference there was a hint of patience in the regard dora turned upon her mother mrs milburn continued to dilate upon lawn tennis dealt lightly with badminton 
and brought the conversation round with a graceful sweep to canoeing dora's attitude before she had done became slightly permissive but mrs milburn held on till she had accomplished her conception of conduct for the occasion then she remembered a meeting in the schoolhouse we are to have an address by an indian bishop she told them he is on his way to england by china and japan and is staying with our dear rector mr murchison such a treat i expect it will be what i am dying to know said miss filkin in a sprightly way is whether he is black or white mrs milburn then left the room and shortly afterward miss filkin thought she could not miss the bishop either conveying the feeling that a bishop was a bishop of whatever colour she stayed three minutes longer than mrs milburn but she went the filkin tradition though strong could not hold out entirely against the unwritten laws the silently claimed privileges of youth in elgin it made its pretense and vanished even as the door closed the two that were left looked at one another with a new significance a simpler relation established itself between them and controlled all that surrounded them the very twilight seemed conscious with it the chairs and tables stood in attentive harmony you know said dora i hate your going lorne she did indeed seem moved about the mouth to discontent there was some little injury in the way she swung her foot i was hoping mr folk wouldn't get better in time i was truly the gratitude in young murchison's eyes should have been dear to her i don't know whether she saw it but she must have been aware that she was saying what touched him making her point oh it's a good thing to go dora a good thing for you and the regatta coming off the first week in june and a whole crowd coming from toronto for it there isn't another person in town i care to canoe with lorne you know perfectly well i'm awfully sorry said lorne i wish oh i'm going i believe stephen stewart has written from toronto and asked me to sail with him i haven't told mother but he's my second cousin so i suppose she won't make a fuss the young man's face clouded seeing which she relented oh of course i'm glad you're going really she assured him and we'll all be proud to be acquainted with such a distinguished gentleman when you get back do you think you'll see the king you might you know in london i'll see him if he's visible laughed lorne that would be something to tell your mother wouldn't it but i'm afraid we won't be doing business with his majesty i expect you'll have the loveliest time you ever had in all your life do you think you'll be asked out much lorne i can't imagine who would ask me we'll get off easy if the street boys don't shout what price canucks at us but i'll see england dora i'll feel england eat and drink and sleep and live in england for a little while isn't the very name great i'll be a better man for going till i die we're all right out here but we're young and thin and weedy 
they didn't grow so fast in england to begin with and now they're rich with character and strong with conduct and hoary with ideals i've been reading up the history of our political relations with england it's astonishing what we've stuck to her through but you can't help seeing why it's for the moral advantage way down at the bottom that's what it is we have the sense to want all we can get of that sort of thing they've developed the finest human product there is the cleanest the most disinterested and we want to keep up the relationship it's important their talk about the value of their protection doesn't take in the situation as it is now who would touch us if we were running our own show i don't believe they are a bit better than we are replied miss milburn i'm sure i haven't much opinion of the englishmen that come out here they don't think anything of getting into debt and as often as not they drink and they never know enough to to come in out of the rain but lorne yes but we're very apt to get the failures the fellows their folks give five or six hundred pounds to and tell them they're not expected back till they're making a living the best men find their level somewhere else along recognized channels lord knows we don't want them this country's for immigrants we're manufacturing our own gentlemen quite fast enough for the demand i should think we were why lorne canadians nice canadians are just as gentlemanly as they can be they'll compare with anybody perhaps americans have got more style she weighed the matter but canadians are much better form i think but lorne how perfectly dear of you to send me those roses i wore them and nobody there had such beauties all the girls wanted to know where i got them but i only told lily just to make her feel a pig for not having asked you my very greatest friend she just about apologized told me she wanted to ask about twenty more people but her mother wouldn't let her they've lost an uncle or something lately and if it hadn't been for clara sims staying with them they wouldn't have been giving anything i'll try to survive not having been asked but i'm glad you wore the roses dora i dropped one and phil carter wanted to keep it he's so silly did you did you let him keep it lord murchison do you think i'd let any man keep a rose i'd been wearing he looked at her suddenly emboldened i don't know about roses dora but pansies those are awfully nice ones in your dress i'm very fond of pansies couldn't you spare me one i wouldn't ask for a rose but a pansy his eyes were more ardent than what he found to say beneath them dora grew delicately pink the pansies drooped a little she put her slender fingers under one and lifted its petals it's too faded for your buttonhole she said it needn't stay in my buttonhole i know lots of other places he begged dora considered the pansy again then she pulled it slowly out and the young man got up and went over to her proffering the lapel of his coat 
it spoils the bunch she said prettily if i give you this you will have to give me something to take its place i will said lorne i know it will be something better said dora and there was a little effort in her composure you send people such beautiful flowers lorne she rose beside him as she spoke graceful and fair to fasten it in and it was his hand that shook then may i choose it said lorne and will you wear it i suppose you may why are you why do you oh lorne stand still i'll give you you sweet girl my whole heart he said in the vague tender knowledge that he offered her a garden where she had but to walk and smile to bring about her unimaginable blooms End of chapter twelve